of the $130 billion in venture capital awarded, less than 3% goes to women-led companies. While women are very few of those participants, they're only about 22%, they over-exceed in terms of um, ranking as first, second, and third place CEOs with their businesses. So really extraordinary untapped potential. Aprendimento, education, colaboración, collaboration. Every girl and every boy, uno city on the boy, deserves the top day for Welcome back to In Piazza. It's March 2021. And if you haven't joined us for the podcast before, Michael, Mo, and I are glad you're here. And we hope you'll share our program with your family and friends. As long as we're in Piazza, we'll be breaking down and analyzing some of the most innovative initiatives defining the global knowledge economy right now. And this week, with international entrepreneurial superstars from opposite ends of the globe. I'm so pleased to welcome our guest, Jennifer Openshaw, who's the CEO and founder of Girls with Impact, a next generation business and innovation academy that prepares women leaders for corporate and public sector futures, no matter what their aspiration. Thanks for joining us in Piazza, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. And you know, Piazza, I'm Italian, so it's appropriate. <laughs> I love it. Okay, we've got to start with that. So what's the name that makes you Italian? Uh, Casaga. Kasaga, and there's a lot of them, a whole line back, by the way. And I just learned that they came over on a boat that was the poor man's Titanic that actually sank. Oh, my gosh. Yes. That's amazing. Isn't it amazing the history and what people have gone through to get um, to get here, which kind of brings Michael and I full circle with you. So CEO and founder of Girls with Impact and you're trying to help girls, a special category, really make their mark. Tell us more detail. Like, first of all, let's start with your why. Why are you doing what you're doing? And then let's get into what. Well, you know, I was at the uh, World Economic Forum about six years ago, and a lot of, you know, your peer CEOs were saying, why are there not more women in the pipeline? And of course, at the same time, they're beating the drum of innovation. And you know, I've been around corporate American in Silicon Valley, and I said, you know what, really, the, the better answers did better train the next generation to lead from the top because they have tools that we didn't have a decade ago. None, none of us were in high school with what these guys can do today. They're extraordinarily capable. And so I partnered with some folks from Harvard Business School, and we launched Girls with Impact and started on the nonprofit side because you know, I thought corporates might have interest in getting behind this because of all the focus on diversity in women. So that was the start of it. That's fa fabulous. Go back in time a little bit. I, I know your story. You, you grew up, your, I think your mother had a couple of jobs. What was sort of your first exposure to um, kind of women in work? And, 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 and what did you kind of what did that motivate you to do um, as a young as a young uh, person? Yeah, I think, you know, Michael, it was seeing my mom literally work two full-time jobs as a, as a waitress, literally. She would come home at four o'clock. We'd figure out dinner together. I was the oldest of three. I had two younger brothers and she would do her, you know, always describe it as her Wonder Woman act and, 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 and transfer into this other uniform. But, you know, there were times when she couldn't pay the phone bill. Um, and I think that did have a huge effect on me. And at the same time, when I was just 13 years old, I sort of had this epiphany as I was riding my navy blue Schwinn bike home on the middle of the street. And I had this 
literally a vision that, you know what, I'm going to do bigger things. I'm going to impact people and I'm going to have to figure it out on my own because I think I saw my mother sort of on her own for a good track of that. And, um, you know, I was fortunate to, you know, I ended up putting myself through school and, and worked with some amazing people in my career, really some, some quite notable people. And, you know, you saw the power of technology uh, too, a little bit later in life and, and just loved the ability to harness it to really impact people on a larger scale. So talk about, so you started a business and, and at a young age and he had some success with it. Talk about that and how that what motivated you to do that? Well, you know, the, the funny story is that the very first sort of businesses I did, I was at UCLA. I became what was the um, finance director of this entrepreneurship uh, program where I was literally inventing or running ventures that had been invented to raise money for other students. And I started a couple new ventures and I had this man who was an incredible mentor to me. I mean, really taught me like, you know, how to negotiate on the other side of the table, right? Things that you, it was extraordinary. And I loved it. And I was using other students as my staff almost to run these ventures. And, and we started a couple of things. In fact, one of them was a political cookbook, a cookbook of politicians recipes from California. And it made it on the front page of the San Jose Mercury News's food section. It was so cool. Right here, I was at 22 or something. And then later on, I, um, which is an interesting story, after I worked in the California Treasurer's Office, I was working full time in the financial industry, but I also became the finance uh, commentator for KCBS TV in LA. And I would go on this set at you know six thirty in the morning, talking live about money issues, and you know, Michael, you appreciate this, and mutual funds, and getting out of debt, and all this stuff. But the funnier thing was that the women in the station would come up to me and ask me questions about their money. You know, my my boyfriend wants to borrow money. Should I? I got this like windfall of an inheritance. What do I do? And that coupled with the convergence of the internet, where my light bulb went off, and I said, you know what? I think maybe there's like something going on here. And I looked at the data and I found that women were not going to the Yahoo finances at the time or the market watches. And they also were not really frequenting places like a Schwab or Fidelity to invest. And that was the genesis of my first real company called Women's Financial Network. And it's just amazing, Jennifer, because you could be doing anything. Right. You could be back in back in the investment world. You could be advising CEOs. You can be a CEO again. And yet you've chosen um, to devote your time and energy and resources to Girls with Impact. And it's just fitting this month is, you know, it's International Women's Month and you've got a big event this month. So so tell us what's going on with why that's happening. I mean, I get that you saw that they weren't being sparked to be entrepreneurs. And a lot of people out there are going, well, you know, women will figure it out. And other people are like, oh, the poor girls. But you're doing something wholly different. You know, I, I have to say, I wasn't sure or I didn't grow up around all girls anything. But I think the all girls approach definitely is impactful. So, you know, the issue, I think one of the biggest pieces of data that's so interesting, that's going to be in Sunday's New York Times, a huge piece, is that of the $130 billion in venture capital awarded, less than 3% goes to women-led companies. And yet we've actually done a study, we've gotten some data from universities of college venture competitions 
that finds that while women are very few of those participants, they're only about 22%, they overexceed in terms of um, ranking as first, second, and third place CEOs with their businesses. So really extraordinary untapped potential that we're really not leveraging. And so that's really what we're trying to do. And so by bringing these young women together in high school, when they're really shaped, and you can almost argue, you know, they're, they're really even shaped a little earlier than that. But in high school, they're getting a massive leg up in this training. So what we do is we run kind of like a mini Harvard Business School. We, in 10 weeks, take them from idea to a business plan and venture pitch. And it's extraordinary because they are now in a class with people across the country or even across the globe. They're being led by a, you know, a version of a Michael Moore, if you will, an entrepreneur, a person with an MBA, but also real business experience like yourself, Jeannie. And, um, and their confidence in the process completely changes. And then because they're doing, they're executing this on this business idea, they're learning critical skills, right? They're learning problem solving, technology, public speaking, collaborating, all of that stuff. And it, it's giving these young women a huge leg up both in college and career. We're seeing it in their college scholarships. They're landing full rides to Babson and Howard. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. So where, where's the curriculum coming from? And is this in how geographically dispersed is this in terms of where the students are? Yeah, so the curriculum is de developed um, by myself primarily and a couple of people who work with me. I've done a lot of curriculum and financial education for like 20 years with Microsoft money and writing books and all that stuff. And then we also brought in a guidance leader and some folks from Harvard Business School's Career Center. So that's the curriculum. We've also at times literally gone back and updated it. We've had somebody on the team who's been in uh, the leadership space working with um, Spotify and some other known companies, United Rentals, specifically in leadership development. So that's the curriculum. We take an approach really, first off, it's very hands, it's project driven curriculum education, right? And we focus on um, igniting their idea. They're gonna go through a phase of ideation and then investigating that idea. How does it stand out compared to competitions? You know, they do a SWOT analysis, a customer persona, like real MBA stuff, and then they uh, ignite that idea and they start to bring it to life. Um, the girls, it's really interesting. You know, before COVID, um, we sort of were taking the approach of a little bit like a lot of other organizations, we're gonna act locally. And, um, you know, when somebody funds us, whether it's a company or a philanthropist in maybe a Seattle or a, a, an LA, we'll launch girls there. But it doesn't mean we can't take them because we're live online. Now with COVID, it's been a lot easier, right? I mean, when COVID hit, literally within, in March, we broadly said, hey, any low and moderate income girls sign up right now, you can come in for free. And we had a thousand girls that we put through in a 10 week period, which was really great. And my, my view is like, that's just the beginning of where I think we should be operating. Like we should be putting 10,000 girls through a year. Um, the other thing that's kind of taken place with, with COVID is um, a lot of workforce development agencies, government agencies, they're struggling because They've got young people, maybe struggling young people, they call them opportunity youth, who um, 
they've got very little options now to be trained workforce readiness. And so they see our curriculum as just a really powerful way to do that. Entrepreneurship is a very hot area, but particularly in California, where they don't see any kind of modern curriculum. Well, and those of us that had the benefit of growing up, even seeing entrepreneurs, and I'm not talking about people who had money, but like yourself, like myself. I mean, I grew up, you know, out of someone who came off the boat, right? Yeah. But, but they were entrepreneurial. They were constantly trying to figure out how to get to the next level. And so I had the benefit to see that. So I can be, I can take risks all day long. I can create things. I can see things through an entrepreneurial vision. Michael, you're the same way. And unless we get to students, I mean, entrepreneurs are made, not born. And unless we get to kids and get them out of this cookie cutter mold, that was one of the reasons I was so attracted to your story, Jennifer, is because you can't just sit a bunch of students. You know, we're all talking about, well, we should reopen schools, we should go back. Well, I'm sitting there going, well, maybe, maybe we should actually give them another option. Maybe we should say, what kind of destiny do you want? What kind of project management? What kind of education? And so what you're doing seems is so powerful that I can't imagine people are not just like literally barreling down your door to say, let me put this in front of in yeah. front of our girls. How is it going in terms of the demand? Are you seeing that or is the status quo still kind of standing in place? Well, I think, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about getting behind things like girls and young women. I, and I, I think it um, scratches the surface candidly. Um, there are, you know, we have a fantastic partnership with Johnson & Johnson, and that's probably a really great example where they use this to advance diversity and at the same time support their families, the, the, the children of their families. And it's gone like gangbusters there. And now they're using their employees to go into the communities to recruit these students. But um, look at, I think like candidly, I'm looking for someone to really get behind us putting a million young people through because now that COVID's hit, we're enhancing our platform so that we can put many, many, many more students, right? Not just, you know, originally the goal was 10,000 over three years, we put four or 5,000 through. Now it should be, you know, much, much greater numbers. Um, I think what you said, Jeannie, is really important earlier about in the school, because, you know, my view is the reason school's not, and I, I think we all share this, the reason school's not interesting, and I think the reason a lot of schools disengage is, or students disengage is because it's just not relevant to them. It's not interesting. You know, I mean, it's a shame that school is not interesting. It's so interesting. And I, I really think it's the approach of teaching. And, and the way we do it is, you know, we'll hear these students who will say, and I'll say like, oh, why are, you why are you excited about this? And she'll say, because it's my idea. Like no one's telling me what to do. It's not with a parent. It's not with a teacher, right? It's a whole different ball game. And so they're being forced to try these new things and talk about new concepts together, which leads them to move outside their comfort zone, which is why their confidence like literally goes through the roof in a pretty short period of time. Yeah. So what got me interested in economics when I was in high school is our social studies teacher had us play a game. We each owned a beer company and we played against each other. You learn about, you know, raising prices and marketing and all, all those type of things. And it was so interesting and engaging that really got my interest in economics. You talk about getting people, you know, to really think about, kind of put them in the world of solving problems. Entrepreneurs fix things. They, they yeah. solve problems, they fill needs. And, and, and getting your brain start working that way and getting experience with that, I think is so terrific. So as you talk about these, these the, the young women that go through the program, 
And then what do they do afterwards? And when they go to college, if, if they do go to college, and that's a, a, a you know a great uh, important aspiration, do is there a program like I know in Actus, for example, and and my friend Rachel Jarouche, who works with uh, eighteen hundred universities around the world, with working with entrepreneurs, not just female entrepreneurs, but entrepreneurs solving social problems. Are there type of partnerships like that so they can continue on their entrepreneurial journey, or how do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, right now what we do is once they graduate, we put them in what's called the boardroom where they get paired with a mentor uh, and then they, you know, stay connected with us kind of like a professional association there. We've, we've got monthly events where we'll bring a speaker in. Uh, it might be another young woman who's been a CEO, could be a little bit older, it could be a peer of theirs. And then we'll drill down on some kind of topics to learn. Um, I think, you know, longer term, um, what our hope is to keep these young women connected because I got to say we've got literally several of them working for us and they're they're pretty darn talented and I think when you look at the employer space looking for diversity in women we've got a pretty exciting you know potential talent pipeline there but I like Michael I think one of the biggest um, kind of partnership areas too is colleges we we've got one partnership but there's many more to be had we're a fabulous recruitment tool for them right I mean they should be all over us because we're kind of, we, I kind of think we do the, the, the tough work of going in and recruiting the girls. I think that's actually half the tough work of what we do. Once we have them and once they're in, you know, they're, they're pretty engaged. Um, but the colleges, I think is really important. I certainly think um, with employers and matching them up, which we do with some of our corporate companies right now, U.S. Bank is a good example where um, you know, 60 of their employees are mentors to these young women. So I think there's really a great ecosystem, but I really think we've just scratched the surface. And frankly, we are looking for, for more funding to, to be able to blow it out further. And Jennifer, I'm gonna ask you a question uh, that is probably in the minds of some people listening uh, in Piazza. Um, what about the guys? Yeah. Are guys falling behind? How do you make it not a zero sum? There are an awful lot of boys who are not doing as well as girls are um, and don't have mentors um, and come from homes um, of all different stripes that don't lead them on. So what do you say to people who think we're overemphasizing women? Yeah, so we use we used to say, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the boys later with girls with impact. Let's get it going. But um, because of some of the dynamics going on right now, we actually started Youth with Impact, which is where we bring this to mostly government entities. And we're just seeing traction. So a very interesting example there is Orange County, California, the Workforce Development Board. They, they are specifically mandated to serve opportunity youth, and they are boys and girls. And, you know, it's so interesting because we've got these coaches who are teaching these young people and just to give you a flavor if I can for for a little bit of humor here but you know they are really going through some stuff like the 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 young woman who informs us she's missing class because she's just had a baby or a young man who's literally in jail right but they need something to engage themselves and they a lot of them really want to start a business. And so it's really exciting to see the transformation. We're also working on the other coast with Albany, uh, in Albany with, it's called the, the Capital uh, Workforce Development Board. So right uh, near the, the capital of New York. So um, so we are bringing it to them, and but we've really just started that. I think that's another really huge opportunity for growth. 
And one of the things that we're hearing again is that there's kind of a lack of this kind of training um, for this market, but yet it's so important because, you know, we've got the gig economy going on as well. And the idea of preparing our population for a gig economy hasn't really even sunk in. So things like, how do I get healthcare if I'm self-employed? How do I, you know, all that stuff, like it's, but it's, it's going to come up soon. So, so we talk about how you, you have programs that are both uh, uh, boys and girls. Is, the, is there specific elements to the program that are really designed for women? And, you know, and as you talk about preparing people for the gig economy, I'd even you know, broaden that. It's just the whole knowledge economy, which is what entrepreneurship. I and mean, that's, that's why I think whether you're, whether you, you, you're going to be an entrepreneur uh, you know, on your own and start a company or you're going to be an intrapreneur working at a company, the skill set that you learned is 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 vitally important either way. But there's unique things specific for your program that are really designed for the for the young uh, woman to 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 be thriving. Yeah, I would say um, only in the sense of our coaches are women, so they they represent a female role model for them, and we'll do some content, etc. That's definitely women focused. We also present in a way that is, I would say, youthful. Like uh, my role is like nothing can be boring. Like this stuff is exciting, right? Um, uh, you know, they'll they'll see, but but you know, like they learn about Jeff Bezos in their first or second class and how he grew Amazon, and they'll see his version of a business canvas map, and they're like, "Holy moly! I had no idea! Like nobody teaches them this." But they like they just find it so interesting. But then we have them go find uh, you know an entrepreneur that they think is really interesting, and it'll tend to be a female entrepreneur. So I think the ecosystem, Michael, is kind of the the support system because when you also look at some of the interesting data that you know young women, the data is that young women have a 30% loss of confidence when they're in their teens. And I used to wonder if that was bogus, actually. So I asked the head of um, the head of school for a private uh, uh, school, a man. And I said, Jerome, is this like, is this like really true? And he said, it actually is Jen, because what happens is in classrooms, when a teacher calls on them, the boys raise their hands faster, they get called on faster. And so that has a trickle effect. And I just was like, wow, that is interesting. And when I see what we do with these women, it, it, it's, I really think it's extraordinary. And the first time we literally had, um, uh, you know, pre- before COVID, the only thing we did in person was the graduation. So every quarter we'd graduate these girls, we'd bring them together in person with their, their parents and they would do a Shark Tank style three minute pitch, right? And if they happened to be from another part of the country, we'd Skype them in. And the first time we had like 30 or 40 girls with these parents, I was just like, Warren Buffett needs to see this. No one's doing this. These girls were presenting like 911 service with one t- one touch 911 service, Michael, wow. as an app. Wow. I'm like, this is crazy. Okay, bralette businesses with the design. Uh, it was crazy. So it's there. And on top of it, though, when you see our data, you know, they're they're moving the needle on their their confidence, their tech skills, their financial skills, their ability to differentiate themselves, their ability, their confidence pitching investors. Like this is really important stuff. Their ability to cold call, 
their ability to take initiative, their ability to uh, bring an idea to a, a project. It's, it's, you know, as you said, Michael, these are work skills that you need for life. And we, you know, you and I, we all had to figure it out on the job, like later on. It's it's amazing when you're talking to Jennifer because um, I'm about the confidence. I can't tell you how many times I see women, even on Zoom, not just in meetings, not stand up and say something. So so they're not prepared to engage other people unless someone says, "Okay, go." And that can't be. And so, you know, they all, I mean, you're kind of like my Nirvana past Sheryl Sandberg, because you're not just saying lean in. You're like, I'm preparing you. You're not just saying this is all happened. Great. You're going, let's prepare. And I love her and I love what she did, but you're taking it to the next level because when you're sitting around a room and there's a woman, and sometimes it's not even, I was going to say a younger woman, but it's not even sometimes a younger woman, not realize that they're supposed to be chatting or talking or offering. They don't even know how to say hello. And I've seen that on Zoom a hundred times in the last like three months. And so whatever you're doing to help them, inspire them, give them something to say, give them the tools, the, is it that confidence? Is it a matter of confidence? Is it also a matter of knowledge and how to work in different worlds? Yeah, I, you know, I just think that the training of being an entrepreneur, and, and, and sometimes I'm not crazy about that term because, you know, a lot of people not too long ago would think it's like a side hobby. They wouldn't take you seriously. But that training, like just when you think, Michael, of those, you know, women in Silicon Valley who are starting companies, they are like go-getters. They are so smart. They are so sharp, right? And that's what we have the potential with this generation. And you know, you mentioned earlier, Jeannie, this, this concert. So we've got this International Women's Day benefit concert that's going to be off the charts. It's Monday. And we're going to see some of our girls there. But just to, to, to preview it for folks, it's a benefit concert that's streamed to your home featuring the star of Hamilton, Renee Elise Goldsberry, the star, the 16-year-old star of a Netflix series, um, Madison Reyes, star of Julian the Phantoms, and then the 26-year-old, Fletcher, who's one of Spotify's top female artists, whose um, song is in the uh, Golden Globes nominated movie, Promising Young Women. It's going to be off the charts. In the middle of that, the intermission will be Hoda from NBC interviewing three of our graduates. And it's going to be so inspiring. So it's, you know, it's a small $25 minimum donation to sign up. Um, so you can, if you go to Girls with Impact, you'll, you'll see the pop-up and it'll take you where you can get tickets. For Monday, March 8th. And is that your first uh, Girls with Impact international concert? It's our first concert for sure. It won't be our last. We've done events before, but uh, and we, you know, we're, we've been, always been live and long. But I, I think that this is going to be probably in person next year. It is going to be a fantastic. It's one hour, six o'clock Eastern. Fabulous for family and friends. Um, everything is clean in the in the language of our performers. But it's just, I think it's just going to be so much fun, so inspiring. So, so come join us for that. Go to girlswithimpact.org um, to, to access a ticket. Tickets are also at uh, Ticketmaster. One, one of the things that I think is so interesting and important is, is this idea of the role model. And just people, I, you know, I remember one of the things that made a big influence on me is I had a college coach who used to bring people and they told their stories. And you start to realize that if they could do, if they did that, I could start doing it. Most of these people aren't exposed to people that have started businesses that have done great things. You know, you had Muriel Sieber, who you, who was a pioneer on Wall Street, 
Oh so just being able to see that, I'm sure made a big difference in terms of how. Oh, yeah. I so mean, what a, what a woman. I mean, this, you know, such a great story. This, this woman was a researcher on Wall Street. And uh, actually, she drove with something like maybe 50 bucks in a, you know, wonky car from Ohio to New York. And she, you know, landed and worked very hard first seat um, owned by a woman on the New York Stock Exchange, publicly traded company. And she ended up acquiring the company that I started, you know, a, a good while back. Yeah, I mean, you know, what a great story of her and, and of entrepreneurship, really, you know, and, and what we all can and become and why the Piazza is here. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting you mentioned her, too, and I saw her in your bio, Jennifer. I met, here's another, here's another tribute to her, um, because part of being a great entrepreneur is also humility. And I was in New York at an event long after she retired. It was a reception. Um, she took a liking to me. We had a long conversation. I would run into her every once in a while after this. By the way, girls out there, don't ever do this. I didn't even know who she was. I knew she'd been someone, right? But I didn't know the extent to which she had been such a pioneer. And she remembered me. By the way, a lot of men don't. She remembered my name. She remembered what I did. She would say things to me like the fourth time I ran into her, thank you for putting me on your newsletter list. I got your newsletter. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then finally someone said, you don't know who Muriel Siebert is? I go, well, no, I mean, I didn't really look her up. I don't know. I mean, I, I know she was just literally lovely. Like you are crazy. So she did not, she wasn't like, I am the most important person in the world. Did you know I was the first on, you know, this New York Stock Exchange? And that is just such a great part of what, you're doing and having people like that as a role model. You know, it's, it's, it takes a lot of work and, and you're right about being, you know, humble, I think is really the, the key word to leadership, right? To just, you know, we're all the same, right? We're people and um, we're, we're, we're blessed in these times to be healthy if we are. And, you know, um, it's about uh, paying it forward. Yeah. Good message for this month. Yeah. Sophia gave one bit of advice to the, uh, women out there in particular that are that are have this dream in their head and they they they, won't, they you know have this burning desire to do it but just don't have the confidence to take that step is there any advice to, that you'd give them in terms of how they get going or how they, who they get connected to I think um probably most important and something I did not follow for a very long time really but I did write a book about it is don't go it alone. So, you know, you talked earlier Michael about a mentor but even if you want to get going with a business idea or with anything, finding a new job, whatever it is, it's hard to keep it all to yourself and to do it on your own. It's a world of difference to have somebody to help you think about the next steps. You know, we do it with our young women. I think that's don't go it alone. It's the only way you'll move forward and move outside your comfort zone. And, you know, it's when we're, you know, it's interesting, like right now, a lot of people are going through change. I spoke to somebody today, but there is a lot of opportunity and change in like redirecting yourself, um, rethinking about, okay, in the economic landscape, you know, so many industries are changing. What's the best, what is the best one for me to, in this you know, next phase as we kind of march forward. So don't go, don't, don't go it alone and um, find someone great to, to be your, uh, your uh, partner in that journey. Yeah. 
Jennifer, thank you so much for being in Piazza with us, especially during this Women's History Month. And don't forget International Women's Day, March 8th, the Girls with Impact concert, girlswithimpact.org for information. We'll be cheering you on and there. Um, and I hope this inspires many other people to do that and follow you. I feel like we could talk forever. So thank you so much for joining Michael and I today. You bet. Thank you, Thank you, Jen. Everybody. Jennifer Openshaw, uh, what a story. Um, so compelling. Uh, the work she's doing around the world, the work she's doing with girls, but that she comes from your background. Like she's, she was in finance and business and she started as a motel maid. Her mother worked two jobs. And, and here she is, this accomplished author, this MBA. Um, and she's CEO and founder of Girls with Impact. And I don't know, what a story. I think it's just so inspirational. Well, we have a theme called POW, Power of Women. And I think a key part of how you ignite the power of women is by giving them not only the knowledge, but giving them the confidence and the connections to be successful. And I think it is it, it truly is inspiring what she's doing for uh, young women and what that's gonna mean for the future of society. I mean, I think entrepreneurs solve problems, they fill needs, and you know, the, 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 you know, unleashing the, the talent of, of, of women into the entrepreneurial world is gonna be so exciting for our future. Yeah, and the other thing I'm really enjoying about a conversation like that, and of course, you know, Michael, you and I doing this podcast in Piazza, She's our third guest. We started with Reed Hastings. We had Carlos Watson, now Jennifer Openshaw, and um, really great ones to come. Um, it's just so invigorating. I mean, you read the newspaper and you watch the news and you watch some of the battles going on, like the latest one about trying to ban Dr. Seuss because there's racial, racist undertones. I mean, I'm just so happy to talk to someone like that who's actually caring about real stuff. So yeah, ironically, Dr. Seuss was born 100 years ago on March 2nd. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really sad to see how we get distracted by you know, get, you know, sweating, the, sweating the small things or sweating things that really don't matter for how we get people to participate in the future. And we wanna be sensitive to issues, of course, and be respectful of, of all people for sure. But when you talk about people that are truly giving uh, the, the kind of skills and the kind of confidence that is going on with this is is, inspire, is inspiring and the kind of thing that we'd love to see, you know, more focus on, more resources towards and, and, you know, and more attention to. You can find In Piazza wherever you get your podcasts. This is a special project of the Center for Education Reform and GSV. Thanks for listening to In Piazza. Ci vediamo, or as we say in English, we'll see you soon. I'm Jeannie Allen. I'm Michael Moll. Ciao.